Esther, the book of Esther is one of those books in the Old Testament tucked in the back, one of the small books that a lot of us maybe don't read so often and don't really remember everything that happened in that book. But there is one part of that book in Esther where there is a very intense moment where Queen Esther wants to go speak and enter into the throne room of the king and speak on behalf of her people, the Jews. The problem she had was that nobody could just enter into the throne room. Not even the queen herself could enter in without first being summoned, or you could be killed. And so she put on her best dress, did her hair just perfect, put on makeup, and yet the entire time she was thinking about, what's going to happen to me? Will I be accepted or not? Will the king reject me or not? Is this, a sui- is this suicide, what I'm about to do? And you can imagine as she walks into that throne room, she couldn't hide the beads of sweat that were coming down her face. She was nervous. But then the king's eyes met hers, and he smiled. And he held out the golden scepter, and she touched it, meaning that she was accepted. The king's throne is a revered place. Throne room is a revered place. It doesn't matter where that might be around the world or what time in history. It's always been a very revered place to be. Today, we're talking about entering into God's throne room. And have you ever thought about that yourself? Are you accepted? Why should you be accepted? What is your status as you stand in front of God, as you walk into his throne room with your petitions and with your requests? It's a revered place, the king's throne room, because of the power that every king holds, the power to grant, but also the power to take away. And how much more so when we're talking about God's throne room, our king? No one is able to grant more than him. No one is able to take away more than him. Are we worthy? What is our status as we walk into God's throne room? There is a a phrase, a Latin phrase, that governments still use, and even nightclubs and bars still use. It's called persona non grata. Maybe some of you have heard that phrase before. It means that a person is not welcome, that their status is that they are not accepted at either that place or in that country. Back in 2008, some of you remember the president of Bolivia, Evo Morales, as well as, and later on, the president of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, declared the U.S. ambassador to be persona non grata. He was not welcomed in their countries. He was not welcome to be there, and he was not welcome to speak there. U.S. and those countries had some serious tensions going on at that time. But it's all because of his status, that persona non grata status, that he could not be accepted. He was not welcome. See, our natural state, when we were born in this world, our status before God was persona non grata. In the book of Psalms, it talks about this when it says this in Psalm 14, there is no one who does good, all have turned aside They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. The wording is an all-encompassing no one. No one is able to stand before God. No one has that status. Everybody is persona non grata. 
And what we did not have at the moment that we were born in this world was the status that we see in our lesson from James today. Did you notice what it said? Giving the ability to pray. It says in, in verse 16, it says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's what we need. We need the status of righteous, perfect, holy. That's the status that we need. Now, right after it says that the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective, it starts talking about Elijah. Okay, Elijah. And it talks about how Elijah prayed this incredible prayer that granted something even more incredible. It says this in verse 17 and 18, Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, how, how did Elijah get that status, the status of righteous, so that he could pray like that and be granted something incredible like that? Maybe it was because he always respected God's people and always wanted the best for them and was always looking out for them. No, no, that's not it. In fact, you might remember that one time when Elijah asked God if he would just wipe out the rest of God's people because none of them believed because they were so stubborn. But it was God who had patience on his people and told them about the 7,000 who still were not worshiping his idols. Or maybe it was because Elijah was the type of person who never complained, who was always content and happy with whatever was given to him. No, no, that wasn't the case. Maybe you remember Elijah who complained directly to God when a shade tree was taken away from him. In fact, if you think about it, Elijah was a lot like us. A guy who complains. A guy who thought he had more wisdom than God. A guy who got upset, a guy who lost his patience often. In fact, there's a reason why in our lesson here from James, he says, Elijah was a guy a lot like us. He had a lot of weaknesses, just like, you and we, just like all of us have. So you see, Elijah's status of being righteous wasn't given to him because of who he was. Rather, Elijah's status was given to him because of who his king was. You and I, we're complainers. We are people who get upset easily. We are people who lose our patience. We truly are people just like Elijah. And there's a reason why in the psalm it says when God looks at the entire world, he he sees no one good. He sees people that are persona non grata in his throne room. But there was one. There was one person who when he was born into this world, he did not have tattooed on his body persona non grata. And maybe you remember what happened on the day Jesus was baptized. Do you remember what Jesus, what God said about him, what he declared to the entire world? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now now think about what that means. He declared to the world a different type of status for that one person, for Jesus. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There's really two different things there, right? With him I am well pleased. As God looked at the entire world, he saw people who were complainers, who thought they were wiser than God, who who disobeyed constantly, but he looked at Jesus and said, no, this is a person who is loved, who is holy, who is perfect, who even in his thoughts is thinking purity every moment of every day. There was a reason why God could say, with him I am well pleased and only with him. 
And then he said about him, giving him his status, this is my son whom I love. That was the son of God, Jesus Christ himself, the son of God. That relationship between Jesus and God, there was love. He gave him a completely different status, didn't he? If only we could be like Jesus, if only we could be children of God, if only we could be considered holy and righteous and perfect. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that's exactly what we are. Jesus came into this world. He lived a perfect life for us in our place because we couldn't do it. He went to that cross for us and he gave to us his perfection, his holiness, his righteousness. So that despite who you are, when you look at yourself, God declared you to be something different. He gave you a different status so that you are no longer persona non grata. Now you are considered righteous. So now we have entrance into the throne room of God. Think about that for a moment, the privilege and power of prayer. To be able to walk into the throne room of God and ask for anything that we want. That our God is able to grant, willing to grant, asking us. He's summoning us into his throne room. We see here in, in this lesson from James, we see Elijah's boldness when he prayed. He says that he prayed that it would not rain the world for, for three and a half years. And then he prayed again that it would rain, and it did. You see his boldness? You see how God granted. And so it teaches us, that yes, the power of prayer that we as individual Christians have to go to God and God grants, even if it defies the laws of nature. Pray boldly, he's telling us. As a Christian congregation, there's something else, too, that we can learn from it. The fact that we can pray as a congregation, that you can find out after church, before church, you get to know each other better, so you can pray for each other, you know specifically what's going on in each other's lives, so you can pray, and pray specifically for this person and for that person. We have, and during the prayer of the church, we always give you the opportunity to write out specific prayer requests that you may have. And I'd encourage you to not just pray for those once right here in church, but even maybe remember those prayer requests and take them home with you. Pray over them for that week. Maybe, And I know some of you have even a prayer book that you have where it helps you with the variety in your prayers, be remembering all the people that you can pray for, not just people here in church, but people in our community, people in the United States, people around the world who need those prayers. Do you remember what happened when Solomon became king? God came to him and did something amazing. He came to him and he said, I'll give you anything you want. Just ask. Anything. Now let me tell you what didn't happen when God came to Solomon and said, you can have anything you want. What didn't happen was Solomon didn't forget to go back to God and say, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to go back to God with anything I wanted. What didn't happen was that Solomon didn't decide, well, I'm not going to bother God with my little prayer request. He, He doesn't really care. That didn't happen. 
What didn't happen was Solomon didn't think to himself, oh, there's no way that God can possibly help me with the things that I need because I need a miracle in my life. That didn't happen either. No, what happened was Solomon came to God with a very bold request requiring a miracle when he asked for wisdom. And he received it and more. You and I, in a very similar way to King Solomon, have been summoned by God to go to him with our prayers, asking for anything, knowing that our God has the power to grant. So why don't we go to God in prayer more often? Why don't we pray to him more boldly? Why don't we take advantage of the privilege and power of prayer more often? Let's forget the excuses of the past. And today I want you to just Consider working hard on your prayer life as you move forward in the future. We live in a sinful world, and living in a sinful world requires much prayer. In our small congregation, there are people every week who need those prayers. There are people who are suffering from addiction. There are people who are struggling at home with their children. There are people who are having a difficult time with their new job just in this little congregation. There are people who are, having, who are having mental difficulties, emotional difficulties, physical difficulties, people who have sicknesses in so many different ways. Just in this little congregation, we have that many needs. <clears throat> One thing I started doing, um, some of you may, may know that we came out with a church directory recently. Um, and I realized that the purpose of a church directory is to have contact information for everybody in the church so you can call them when needed. I've always had that. That's not what I've used it for. Uh, what I've used that church directory for is a prayer list, something I just keep in front of me, and I pray through a portion of that every week, right? specifically for those individuals. And I encourage you to do something similar as you pray and spend time in prayer for specific people that you have. After all, you have a brand-new status. You are righteous. You are no longer persona non grata. And you have the privilege and power of prayer at your fingertips as you walk into God's throne room. Amen. Please stand.